Good morning, Crossroads. Good morning. Thank you for being here this morning. For those of you who are watching online, would you please drop a line in the comments? Let us know that you're watching and joining us this morning. For those of you in the building, would you please stand and worship with us?
Praise the Lord this morning. Amen. Lord of all creation, of water, Heavens are your tabernacle. Glory to the Lord on high. God of wonders beyond our galaxy. You are holy, holy. The universe declares your majesty. You are Father, hold me, hold me. 
universe declares your majesty. You are holy, holy. You are holy, holy. Hallelujah to the Lord of heaven and earth. Hallelujah to the Lord of heaven and earth. Hallelujah. The Lord of heaven and earth. Hallelujah to the Lord of heaven and earth. Through every heartbreak, through every circumstance. I believe that you are my fortress and you are my portion. You are my hiding place. I believe you are the way, the truth, the life. I believe you are the way. The truth, the life, I believe through every blessing, through every promise, through every breath I take, I believe that you are provider, and you are protector, and you are the one I love.
God. Let's thank Him this morning. What a great God we serve. Amen. You may be seated, please. We just want to take a moment and welcome everyone here. I want to say thank you for coming this holiday weekend, Labor Day weekend. Summer is officially over, right? And we are moving into September. Great things ahead here at Crossroads. So I want to invite all of our first-time guests. If this is your first time or your second time, would you please stop by our Welcome Center after the service? We have a welcome gift just to say thank you for coming. Some people said, hey, whenever I first came, they weren't giving those gifts out. So... You can stop by and get one of them too, all right? So just tell them I said you get a gift, all right? But anyhow, stop by the Welcome Center if this is your first or second time here. We'd love to have you uh, just uh, get acquainted with us here at Crossroads. By way of announcements, we have a few things coming up here this week. We've got a little bit of a busy week. Tuesday night, we're having our car cruise here. I want to encourage you to be here for that. This is the last one of the season, and we're hoping it goes out with a bang. It'll be a big one. Uh, they are, they're inviting, uh, they're actually doing a fundraiser this time for the Horses for Hope. If you've heard of that place out here in, in uh, Upper St. Clair, Horses for Hope, and uh, they're going to be giving out prizes to the different cars and all kind of things. So who knows, maybe I'll pop the hood on my Nissan and see if I can win a prize, you know. But that'll be this Tuesday, 5 to 9. Come on out. Get a hot dog and get, get some concessions and just enjoy the day. It'll be a, it's going to be a great time up here at the church as we end the car cruise. And then on Wednesday night, we're starting off our fall kickoff here. I want to encourage you Wednesday night to be here. Clubhouse kids, pre-K through fourth grade. So I want to encourage you to, uh, to be here for that. Bring your kids out. It's an incredible time downstairs. Uh, I've heard so much excitement from the workers down there. They've been having meetings after meetings, and they're getting ready. They are ready to go, and it's going to be a wonderful season as they reach out and love the kids in our community. So bring your kids, spread the word, bring kids in the neighborhood, let people know that something is going on up here on Wednesday nights. In addition to that, we'll have our middle school, the Activate Ministry. It will be over in the gymnasium. And then the Route 56, it's a new ministry for, for grades 5th and 6th. So Route 56 and middle school, all the way up through middle school, will be meeting all on Wednesday night. Our high school will be meeting on Sunday nights. They will resume meeting next Sunday, um, and, and that's going to be a fun time for them as well. But I want to encourage you to come out Wednesday night. We're also starting our fall Bible studies here. We have uh, the men's. If you look in the bulletin, you'll see we're doing, for the men, we're doing, yep, that's right. We're doing, we're doing the men's study. There you go. Thanks, Scott. We're doing the men's study, the Tony Evans Kingdom Man. And I want to encourage all the men to come out 
Uh, we're going to do a different format this year. It'll be a, a, a video screen. We're going to watch some of the video. Then we're going to get into smaller groups and talk. But I want to encourage all the men to come out Wednesday night, 6.30 to 7.30. This week we're going to just have a kind of a meet and greet, kind of get acquainted time, uh, get to meet everybody and kind of build some momentum. We'll get you introduced to the topic, and then we'll really get it going the following week. But that's this on every Wednesday at 6.30, Kingdom Man. And ladies, you'll notice in there it says, Every man's destiny, every woman's dream. So encourage your husband to come because he'll be your dream, right? He already is your dream. Some, some of us are nightmares, I guess, right? But anyhow, he's your dream already, and encourage him to come out and check that out. And then, ladies, I want to encourage you to come out to Nancy Baker's Bible study. She's going to be having a great time. I love the title of their book that they're going through, Don't Give the Enemy a Seat at Your Table. So uh, I want to encourage you, jump in those. These are great times where we get together and, uh, and we grow together. You know, when we get into smaller groups and we're able to actually talk, somebody knows your name and somebody knows how to pray for you and bears one another's burdens, and that doesn't happen in a week. That takes time. And so I want to encourage you to, to get involved in one of these groups. And then we're also starting what we're calling C groups, crossroads groups, all right, C groups. And so I want to encourage you to to jump in and be a part of a C group. What a C group is, is a minimum of three people, three or four people or more get together. We are going to make discussion guides from the Sunday sermons. So after what we talk about here on the weekend, there'll be a discussion guide. You'll download the guide and you will go. Maybe maybe a few of you want to get together for coffee at Starbucks. Maybe some of you want to go down to Panera Bread. Maybe some guys want to meet at 6 in the morning before they go to work. Some ladies will be meeting at noon. Uh, some people meet in the evening. Some people do it as couples, men, uh, men's groups, women's groups, couples groups, young adult groups. We want to multiply the ministry this year. And so what we're going to do is we're going to unleash the church. And so I'm going to ask you to pray about jumping in and doing a C group. So maybe you can meet twice a month to do that. Um, some, some groups we already have, and we have a few groups that are going to be refiring up at homes, couples groups that are meeting. And they'll be meeting on whatever time that they, that they choose, but it'll be at their homes. And typically they're meeting a minimum of twice a month. Uh, but what, what happens is whenever you get together and you, you develop a friend and you can pray together and you can grow together, it's really exciting and your faith grows exponentially. So that, that's our mission and vision for this fall here at the church. I also want to remind you, next Sunday we're going to have our baby dedication here, September the 12th. If you have a baby that you would like to dedicate, please uh, go to the church website, sign up, and we will make sure that you are included in that for next Sunday. And then also we have our Next Steps class coming up on September the 19th. If you have been a part of Crossroads now and you're saying, man, I'd like to find out how to really make my membership official. How the, what's this church really all about? Come to this class. We'll have a brief lunch for you. Hang out about an hour, hour and a half, and we just talk about the mission, vision, and values uh, of the church, and, uh, and it's, a, it's a great time. So please sign up for that. That's coming up here Sunday, September the 19th. And then today, I, you know, I saw, uh, I, I don't know if he's in here, Eric McElvenny. Is he in here? I told him to come on up. Eric McElvenny was downstairs. He's downstairs serving. You know, you all watched him on the, uh, in Tokyo last week at the, at the watch party. And then uh, he came into the first service, and I caught him off guard. He was just walking, and I said, come on up here, Eric. And, and we had a good time just encouraging him. But uh, I want to encourage you. You'll see Eric McElvenny. He's back already from Tokyo, and he's serving downstairs this Sunday, his first day back. And we thank God for that, guys. 
Man. I, I, I love that. The, the, uh, that. That's what we're all about, man. He, he's, you know, he, here he was over there, and now he's downstairs with fourth grade boys. And so I, I want to thank God for that. That's what we're all about. And uh, we're going to have a, a time for him whenever he uh, uh, can share his story. And hang on here. No, that's not him. I saw that song coming in. But uh, he, he's downstairs, so I, I'll, be, I'll be able to, well, when he comes up, it might be in the middle of the message, we're going to have fun with him, all right? But uh, I want to encourage you to, uh, to love on him and encourage him and just bless that guy. Man, uh, we're, we're thankful for what God's done, aren't we? Let's thank God, man. God's so good to this church. God is so good. I want to say thank you for your faithfulness and giving. God's been good. And uh, we've been able to continue the ministry of the church as uh, God has provided for you. You, in turn, respond to the Lord and you give faithfully unto him. And we thank you and we appreciate you. And I want to thank you for your faithfulness to the Lord um, as we are continuing to move on. This week alone, a few people trusted Christ as their Savior. That was not on the weekend, during the week. Amen. Let's thank God for that, guys. There's... um, there's probably not a week goes by that I don't hear somebody getting connected to Jesus. And so I want to encourage you with that. And uh, the ministry is big. God is doing great things. And uh, we're reaching people all over the place. And so be encouraged. God is good. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we come before you and I thank you for all that you're doing, God. I pray you'll continue to move mightily in this church. God, the way that you have been touching hearts and changing lives is just incredible. I ask, God, that you'll put your hand upon each one of us, Lord, as we seek to honor you, as we seek to worship you today, Lord. As, as we continue in song now, Lord, as, uh, as we just let our heart cry out to you, God, would you just, uh, just be adored in this place right now? God, uh, just as we, as we honor you, I pray, Lord, that there'll be a sense of awe and wonder in this place right now, God, as we sing of our blessed hope in Jesus Christ. God, we thank you for all that you're doing. Thank you for the faithfulness of your people, faithfulness in giving, faithfulness in serving. Lord, and thank you for your faithfulness to us. It's been wonderful to see your hand at work. In your name we pray. Amen.
to wipe away our tears. There will be a day when all will bow before Him. There will be a day when death will be no more. Standing face to face with Him. We join the resurrection and stand beside the heroes of the faith. With one voice, a thousand generations sing, worthy is the Lamb who was slain. And on that day, we join the resurrection and stand beside the heroes of the faith with one voice a thousand generations sing worthy is the lamb who was slain forever he shall reign So let it be today, we shout the hymn of heaven, with angels and the saints, we raise a mighty roar, glory to our God, who gave us life beyond the Um, last week we left off on the mountaintop experience. Here he comes. Jesus is on the mountaintop. Peter, James, and John have had the mountaintop experience. They're saying a high, and this week we're going down into the valley flop. We went from the mountaintop down to the valley flop, all right? And that's what happens. You come off the mountaintop high, and it's typically a flop when you get down in the valley. And so they, <clears throat> they end up facing some failure. 
And I want to I want to encourage you. How do you face failure? What what happens when you're dealing with failure? When you look failure head on, do you try to avoid failure? Do you run from failure? Do you do you get tripped up by failure? There was a fellow in 1929 on New Year's Day. He was playing in the Rose Bowl. Guy by the name of Roy Riggles. Roy uh, Roy played for the University of California, and he was playing on that day against Georgia Tech. Roy Riggles uh, recovered a fumble for California. And somehow he became confused and he started running 65 yards in the wrong direction. And just before he's about ready to make a touchdown, one of his own team members outrun him, a guy by the name of Benny Lom, come out and they, uh, he tackles him just before he was going to score for the opposing team. Now, could you imagine the failure that you'd be feeling at that point? As a matter of fact, I read that out of college football, they said it was one of the greatest failures of college football ever. Like, they've never seen anything of that nature before. And so as they look at that, whenever you see that, when California attempted to punt, they go up and they attempt to punt, and then the Tech blocked the kick. Uh, Georgia Tech blocked the kick, and they scored a safety, and that ended up being the ultimate victory for the game. So here, here he is. He's feeling failure. He's dealing with this failure, and he's feeling like, man, I'm no good. I'm destroyed. That was in the first half of the game. The, the, you know, during the rest of that, during the, the rest of the first half, as he goes into the first half of the game, he's wondering, you know, what, what's the coach going to say? Everybody's wondering, what's the coach going to say? And so they're going through this and they're saying, what, what's, what's happening here? Um, how are, how's he going to respond to this? So they go into the, they go into halftime and here's Roy Riggles. He gets, he's away from the rest of the team. Everybody else is on the, on the huddle. They're sitting down on, on the bench and they're all, it's quiet. The coach, I believe his name was Coach Price, was quiet, and uh, and it is dead silence in there, as you can only imagine. The, and uh, and here comes now the timekeeper, comes and says, we've got three minutes left to play. Roy had been in a blanket off to the side by himself, and he's just bawling his eyes out. And you can imagine, uh, for a young guy, that amount of stress, that amount of pressure. I would be bawling my eyes out, too. You, you, you know, As a matter of fact, he became known as Wrong Way Roy. How would you like to have that for your life, you know? Hey, wrong way. What's your name? Wrong way. Wrong way, Roy. Right. So uh, he, he's he's got the he's huddled in the blanket and he's just crying his eyes out. And uh, and the, and the coach, they're waiting to hear the orders. Coach says, OK, everybody who started the first half is starting this half. And everybody gets up and they start to go except for Roy. Roy is off to the side. He's still crying. And the coach comes over and says, son, didn't you hear what I said? Everybody who started the first half is starting the second half. And he, and, and he looks at him. He says, he says, coach, I can't do it. I couldn't do it to save my life. I've ruined you. I've ruined the University of California. I've ruined myself. I couldn't face that crowd in the stadium to save my life. And the coach comes over to him and puts his hand on him and says, Roy, get up. Go back in the game. The game is only half over. And you know, as I read that, I want to remind you that this is the same way it is in your life. Life is only half over. Like you've experienced some failures. You've had some things that have tripped you up. And man, listen, what happens typically when we face failure, we go down in a ditch and we never come out. For many people, they get stuck in the mud. They get stuck in the mire of the failure. And so... I want to encourage you because 
the disciples that we're going to look at here today, they face some failure. And, and as you just do a casual reading of the passage, you're not even seeing the failure. They face some pretty big failure. And God says, listen, I'm going to show you how to overcome that failure. I'm going to show you the way to deal with it. But I want to remind you this. Failure is painful, but it isn't final. Failure is painful, but it isn't final. Would you say that with me? Failure is painful, but isn't final. It's it's not final. Listen, we uh, life is is about you know we keep tripping, falling, tripping, falling, tripping, falling, and as we trip and fall, God is still there. God is still working. God is still moving. So I want to encourage you. One of the reasons that many mature people stop growing and learning is that they become less and less willing to risk failure. They they keep they keep falling back and they say, man, I'm less and less willing to risk failure. So you've got to go out and take the risk again after you failed. And so God's called us here. Look here today. We're going to look at Mark chapter nine. We're going to look at them as they come off the mountaintop. And I want to remind you that Jesus took these three guys and led them down into the valley. Quite often we think that the valley is no good. Quite often God's leading us into the valley. When they came to the other disciples, the other nine disciples, remember you had Peter, James, and John up on, on the mountain of transfiguration. When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. <clears throat> as soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and they ran to greet him. And Jesus says to the disciples, what are you arguing with them about? Um, as, as Jesus comes off this mountain, the Peter, James, and John are on the mountaintop experience. Now they're down to reality. You know, Peter wanted to stay at the top. Peter wanted to stay back on the top. That was Peter. You know, Lord, you won't suffer. Lord, surely you won't go to the cross. And up on the mountain of transfiguration, let's just stay here. Let's build a tabernacle for you here and we'll stay up here. And God says, no, I want you to go back and I want you to minister in the brokenness. I want you to go back into the valley where there's brokenness, and I want you to minister there. That's where I've taken you to. And that is so true in our life. But I want you to catch this today because uh, just just a side note here. Verse 15 says that the, the crowd, when the crowd saw him, they were overwhelmed with wonder. They were amazed. There was awe at who he was. And just like Moses, when Moses had come off the mountain, he reflected the glory of God. Jesus now comes off the mountain, except he's not reflecting the glory of God. He has the glory of God. It is him. And so people were in awe of who he was. And they were coming out. But yet the disciples were arguing. The other nine disciples were arguing with the Pharisees. And so the scribes and the Pharisees are going back and forth. And what was happening was that uh, there, there was an issue that they couldn't handle. There's a little boy that they couldn't heal. And so they're coming and they said, listen, you guys are failures. They were coming and they were tripping them up and they were saying, listen, you're you're no good. And so they were criticizing. There was this argument like when Jesus would go out, they would get on Jesus because of the letter of the law and they were trying to trip him. But when the disciples went out this time, the disciples, they had went out before they healed. They cast demons out this time. They couldn't heal this little boy this time. They couldn't cast the demon out of this little boy. And so they're dealing with criticism. And I want to encourage you when you deal with failure. You're going to deal with criticism, and it's okay. When you deal with criticism, it's time to come back to Jesus. When you are faced with criticism, it's time to face Jesus Christ. All right, let's read that together. When we are faced with criticism, it's time to face Christ. 
I, I want to encourage you to, uh, to, to come and face Jesus. Don't look into yourself overextended. Yes, there's things that we can learn, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But I'll tell you what, the first thing we've got to do is come back to God. Nobody likes to hear somebody say something bad about you. I don't care who you are. I don't care what politician out there. None of them like to hear somebody say something bad about you. If you have been criticized, you have had a failure and somebody's critical of you. And listen, whenever you fail, have you ever noticed how everybody knows how to do it better than you did? <laughs> but they didn't stand up to do it. <laughs> you know, it's like you're, you're going to go do it and then, then you do it. And well, you know, you should have done it this way, this way, that way. That's what happens, right? Everybody has a better way as long as they're not doing it. And so what I want to encourage you to do is to understand as you go out and you face life, you're going to face failure. You're going to face criticism. And the way that we handle criticism is we face Christ. We come back to him and we get it from him. You, you see, these disciples here, they were, they were dealing with this. They had not only let themselves down because they couldn't heal this boy. They, they felt like they had let their master down. The, the mission and the vision, like the mission of what they were doing was at stake and their master was at stake. So the disciples, they were out representation of Jesus Christ. William Lane said that after all, the messenger of a man is the man himself. So whenever his disciples were out there, it was a reflection of Jesus. And so they were feeling this and they were going down. But, but I want to I want to encourage you. Let's think about some of the failures that we have in our life. There's things that we make mistakes in, and then there's some sins that we deal with. And quite often we have sinful failures. And sometimes we think that whenever we sin, that it's only affecting me. It doesn't affect anybody else. And I want to remind you: whenever we sin, you never sin in a vacuum. You always affect somebody. If you're if you ha- if you if you've fallen in sin, man, that affects your family. That affects your job. That affects your, the people that you love. It affects the gospel. It affects Jesus because he is our master. And so we are out there and as we're moving and going forward, whenever we deal with sin issues, we've got to come back to God. First John 1 9, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We get our relationship restored and we continue moving on and growing in Christ. Um, don't look to yourself. Don't keep dwelling on yourself. Many people will do this. They, they have gone into uh, some sort of failure and they hear criticism and they will stay stuck on what somebody said. Sometimes you'll hear something that somebody told you and it, it, it will ring in your ears the rest of your life. Don't do that. Go unto God. Listen, because your dad said something when you were a kid, it's okay. Your dad was just a human. Your mom was just a human. Your teacher in school was just a human. How many times have you ever heard the teacher at school said, hey, you know, he'll be a failure. He'll never amount to nothing. You've heard those stories in years past. Um, listen, don't have to listen to anybody but Christ. We come back to Christ. You can always learn from other people, but we come back to Christ and we get our, 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 our growth and our encouragement for him. Point your critics back to Jesus. You know, as you're living for God and you have a failure at work, let's say you lost your temper, right? Christians don't ever lose their tempers, but that could happen, right? But you lost your temper at work and, uh, and, and your critics will get on you. Well, I thought, you know, you would treat better people better if you're a Christian and this and that. But uh, listen, whenever you come back and you can point them to Christ, a couple words, I'm sorry. Um, 
Hey, listen, let me show you the one who is perfect. You see, that's why this crowd was in awe, because this was the Jesus who was perfect. This was the Jesus with glory. This was the Jesus who never failed. So, hey, I will fail you, but I want you to follow my master who never has failed. Um, we need him whenever our enemies are coming at us. Our enemies will come and they'll get on your, right on your toes. You need Christ. And so we, we never outgrow our need for Christ. We never outgrow that. We have got it. We need him when we're facing uh, criticism, when we're facing failure. Uh, continuing on, a man in the crowd answered, Teacher, uh, I brought my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of his speech. <clears throat> whenever it seizes him, whenever the spirit seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth. He gnashes his teeth his, uh, and, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the Spirit, but they could not. I asked your disciples to do this, and, and look, my kid, he, he can't even speak, and he has all these convulsions and, and throwing these seizures all the time, and, and we, can't, we can't fix this. And, and so look, God, look how the Spirit, this evil Spirit, has destroyed this poor kid's life. And this, he can't even speak, and so he's going up and down, and, and later on he tells us that he even throws him into fire. Well, I want you to catch this here, that the little, the, the, this little boy was dealing with a struggle. He had the, the demon possessed. He was possessed by a demon here. And Jesus comes, and he is able to confront the evil. And I want to encourage you in your life. Jesus, when, when we are confronting evil, you need Jesus. We need Say this with me. We need Jesus when confronted with evil. I'm not talking about a demon. I'm not talking like, hey, you know... You, you probably have heard people say, well, he has a demon, right? I'm not necessarily talking about that. I'm talking about there's a war of good and evil in your life every day. There is something, there's decisions that you have to make every day. There's uh, consequences to everything that we do. We need Jesus when we're confronted with evil because we cannot stand up to the enemy by ourselves. You've got to remember that. There is no willpower in the world that will help you against Satan. You need the power of God against Satan. That's what the disciples were missing here. They were going through the motions. You see, you can go through the motions of church. You can go through the motions of serving. But if we're not relying on the power of God, there's no power. And so they, they went and they said, well, the last time we did this, this is how we cast out the demon. And then they come and they do it this time and it didn't work. We need Jesus whenever we're confronted with evil. And I, just uh, on that there, as you look here, uh, uh, talking about demons here, just just want to remind you a couple things that we learned from this passage. We see that demons are real, that there is a spiritual warfare. Uh, they're not fictitious. They're not mythological. Jesus was aware of demons, and so he was about ready to confront one here. We've seen this a few times in the book of Mark already, that he did confront demons, and they ran. Uh, demons desire to inflict pain. They always want to inflict pain. They want to, always want to cause death. Remember Romans 3.23, the wages of sin. I'm sorry, Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. There's always a contrast between God and Satan. It's life and death. It's heaven and hell. And so everything that Satan wants to work in your life causes death. Remember that. When you see the enemy attacking you, he's trying to cause death. He's trying to destroy you. Um, 
demons are capable of causing physical suffering. We see that here. The, the, the physical suffering that this boy had, uh, not being able to speak his entire life, dealing with convulsions after convulsions after convulsions and, and just random times. And this wasn't an illness that he had. We, today we have a lot of people that have illness and we, we're working through those things. That's not what this was. This was a demon like, like, like the scriptures make it clear here, this was a possessed person that came out. And so he, God is going to take this in, into his care. But, you know, in our own strength, we're helpless. This man, no doubt, did everything he could to get that demon out. He went after him over and over and over. He did everything to get that, to get that demon out. But yet he needed the power of God. He even takes him to the disciples. And the disciples, well, they weren't relying on the power of God. They were just kind of going through the motions. And so when all human efforts are exhausted, we can still turn to Jesus. And so I want to encourage you to, uh, to, to as, as you're dealing with some of these good and evil in your life, there's, there's some decisions you're making right now in your families. There's things that are happening at your work. There's, there's things that are just going on all over the place, and you need to confront Jesus. Come with Jesus and let Jesus confront the enemy. And as he deals with it, now you're able to say no. But if you go up against Satan in your own power, you're, gonna, you're not going to be happy. You've got to go in the power of the Lord. As a matter of fact, this man comes to him and says, Hey, uh, listen, I, I asked your disciples to drive out the Spirit, but they could not. And look what Jesus does. Jesus replies and says, Oh, unbelieving generation, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. You know who he was talking to? He's talking to his disciples. How would you like to have Jesus say that to you? How long should I put up with you? <laughs> how, how long should I hang out with you? What he's saying here is, listen, I have put up with this. I have been teaching you. I have, you didn't catch it. Why are you not catching this? Did you not see me go out and pray to the Father in the morning? Did you not see me be reliant on the Father? Did you not catch the dependency that I have on my Father? Did you not catch these things? Oh, he comes in here and, and Jesus is making this statement. As he makes the statements, it's a statement that is basically of loneliness and exasperation. And you know what it is? It's the loneliness that you and I feel in the world today. You are believing, you're seeing God do work, but yet there's many unbelieving around you. And as you engage and you realize that, hey, listen, my heart's going this direction and there's so many people that just aren't catching it. It's an unbelieving generation around me. Your heart goes into that loneliness, into that exasperation as well. Mark here makes the picture real clear. He shows the, the pressure and the frustration that Christ is dealing with. This unbelieving generation, that was typically a statement used of the leaders of Israel. Oh, you unbelieving generation, how dare you not follow God? We never advance beyond our need for Jesus. We will always need him. When the disciples got away from Jesus, there was always a crisis. I want you to catch that. When, when we get away and try to do this in our own power, there's a crisis that comes up. So God's called us to, to walk with him, to walk in his power, to walk in his grace. Uh, we never advance beyond our need for, for, for Jesus, and we never advance beyond our need for faith. Look here, it continues on. So they brought the boy to him. They brought the little boy, verse 20. They brought the boy to him, and when the Spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. So the Spirit's taking his last trip out of this boy, and he says, I'm going to try and kill him on my way out. 
He fell to the ground and rolled out, foaming at the mouth. Verse 21. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. Verse 22. It has often thrown him into the fire or to water to kill him. But if you can, if you can do anything, take pity on us. Help us. And I want you to hear the cry of a dad right here who says, my son, I did everything for him. I don't understand this. We've gone to everybody. Nobody can get rid of this demon. I came to you. And Lord God, your disciples, they couldn't do it. And I ask you, if you can, if you can, can you do this? You know what? We need faith. We never outgrow our need for faith. As you're going through life, you're dealing with failure. You need faith in failure. Not faith in your failure. Faith in God in times of failure. We never outgrow our need for faith. And so this is what happened. This, this guy was coming and he was starting his journey of faith. And, you know, the first time you read it, you're like, what? He says, if you can, doesn't he know who he's talking to? Jesus was present at creation. And he comes to Jesus and says, if you can. Obviously, he doesn't know what God can do. But he knows that he's willing. Um, We all need faith. And that's what was happening here. His faith was not yet complete. His faith was starting to grow. Hebrews 11.6 says, And without faith it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. And that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Without faith, you'll never please God. Without faith, there's no relationship to God. Without faith, you're not going to be able to tap into the power of God. And so the disciples, they weren't walking in faith. They, they may have had their faith. They may have known and, and had the bigger idea, but they were missing this. Here this guy comes and, and he starts his journey of faith. And as he starts his journey of faith, he's coming and he's, he's putting his faith in the right direction. Many people have asked me through the years, boy, I wish I had deeper faith. I wish that I had stronger faith. I want to encourage you, all faith is deep faith. If you have the faith of a mustard seed, like how much faith does it take to go to heaven? The faith of a mustard seed, Jesus said. Believe that he died on the cross and he rose again and you will have eternal life. That's faith of a mustard seed. Oh, yes. Oh, we want more faith. But I'll tell you what. Any faith is great faith. And when you place your faith in Christ and you're going in the right direction, folks, it's not the depth of faith. It is the direction of your faith. You see, what happens when we get into trouble? Many of us go into faith in ourselves. Whenever we fail, we go into faith in ourselves. Well, I'll do better next time. I'll try harder. I, I, I. And at the end of the day, it's not the key is not the depth. The key is the direction. Who is your faith on? It's the person that your faith is in. Are you placing your faith in Jesus Christ? It is not the potency of the uh, of the person uh, of you, but it is the potency of the person of your faith, Jesus Christ. This man's faith was weak and it was small, but yet it was in the right direction. He believed that Jesus would. He just didn't know if he could. If he can, look at verse 23. Jesus replies, if you can, Jesus says, everything is possible for the one who believes. I, I could just imagine Jesus, if I can. 
You're really asking me if I can? I created the foundations of the earth and you're asking me, can I heal this boy? Of course I can. The question is, do you believe? The question is not, can God do it? The question is, do you believe? And so he was coming here and he was growing his faith. You know, divine ability was not the problem. It was unbelief. And there's a great chasm between divine ability and unbelief. And there's, a, there's only one bridge between that, and that's Jesus Christ. And that, it takes faith for that bridge. That faith, when you have that faith and you come right, I'm not, you know, like he says here in just a moment, he's going to tell you that, you know, he's struggling. And as you come to that, that point of faith, you come to that point of faith even in struggle, that's the bridge over to, over to the great power of God. Psalm 34, 8 says it like this. Read this with me if you would. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in Him. Taste and see. You know, it, that is, those are actions. It's one thing just to see it. God says, I want you not just to see, but I want you to taste. It'd be like going to Thanksgiving dinner and you didn't taste the food. Could you imagine that? Like, you're, you know, your, your grandma made the biggest spread ever. And you're sitting there and you're like, oh, it just smells so good. That's where I gained my first five pounds right there. Uh, like, like you're, just, you're just taking it in. God says, I don't want you to just take it in. I want you to experience me. I want you to taste. I don't want you just to see. I want you to see that I'm good. And I want you to taste. It's an action. And I want you to take refuge. Look here. You will find joy when you take refuge in God. You will not take joy when you have the absence of problems. You will take joy for those, the joys for those who take refuge in Him, who trust in Him. I want to take you to that place today. I want to lead you to that water. Drink that water there. Taste See and take refuge. That's what this man was doing. He, he was that bridge between unbelief and God's power. It was just starting. And as a matter of fact, look what he says here. Immediately the boy's father cried out, I do believe. Help my unbelief. And you know what? Many times I've read this and said, Oh, I believe. Help my unbelief. What's he even saying? Remember, there was a song the Gaithers used to sing years ago, I Believe, Help Thou My Unbelief. And it was like, what is the song even about? And you go through the passage and you see, he's saying, I believe that you're God, but I'm struggling. Help me. And you know, that's the greatest cry. That's the greatest prayer. I want to invite you to pray the same thing, because I think in many areas of your life, you do believe. But God, help my unbelief. Like there's things we we don't know what God's going to do. There's plans that he has, and I don't know the answer to his plans. But I'll tell you what I do believe. I believe that he is God and that he can do anything that he wants to do. And so therefore, I'm going to come there. But Lord, when I'm watching this pain here, I'm really struggling. And so he he comes to him and says, Lord, uh, I believe. Help my unbelief. If you don't deliver my son, there'll be no delivering Help me in spite of me. And that is one of the greatest prayers. Lord, help me in spite of me. I pray that quite often on the front row. 
during the last song before I come up. Lord, help me in spite of me. Lord, work in spite of me today. Step me aside and let your glory be revealed. Don't let anybody see me. Lord, help me in spite of me. Verse 25. When Jesus saw the crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said he's dead. Verse 27, Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet and he stood up. And Jesus had gone indoors. His disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? Jesus does this miracle. The, the man, the, the boy, the, the demon leaves the boy and he says, I'm going to get him one last time. And he, he looks like he's dead. Some scholars believe that Jesus came over and they, they think the way that's written in the Greek was that he actually did rise him from the dead. Uh, others believe that, that he just was out of it and, they, and Jesus rose him up. Either way, Jesus did an incredible miracle. And he rises this boy up from this terrible, destroyed condition. And he's got a new life now. And the disciples are asking themselves, what went wrong here? What went wrong? Why couldn't we do this? We've done this before. What went wrong here? They went in and they asked him. And I want to encourage you. The number one thing you do in failure is you go to face Jesus. The other thing I want you to do is know that it's okay to ask questions of ourselves. It's okay that you say, why didn't this work? It's okay. Those aren't bad questions. We're just not going to sit here and dwell on the fact that we didn't make it happen. Like the disciples, he didn't call the disciples to sit there and be in failure the rest of their life. And so Jesus gives them, he gives them the remedy for it. He says, listen, uh, you, you may, you know, for us, we look at life, we say they were self-sufficient. They knew what to do in the world we live. Man, self-sufficiency is big. You can go out, you can conquer, and you're, you're supposed to be confident. But these guys, they came and God says, no, I'm not looking for self-sufficiency. I'm looking for your dependency. See, the key is dependency. He was looking for them to be dependent on God. When you depend on Christ, that's the key. And so it was, they, they were dealing with ridicule. It was a public ridicule. Uh, it was messing with them, what, what people thought of their mission, what people thought of their master. And so they're dealing with this, and Jesus doesn't destroy them. I want you to catch this. They're asking, what, where did we go wrong? And Jesus says this. He says, this kind can only come out by prayer. This kind. He, he wasn't talking about this kind of demon needs more prayer than others. He was talking about this kind of spiritual conflict. Spiritual war can only come by prayer. You only find victory through prayer. And you're like, what? You know, we believe that prayer is us talking to God. And it's this relationship. And as you have this relationship with God, He grows your relationship. He changes your life. And prayer is how God works on earth. Like when we pray, God works. And I'm like, what? I don't understand this because I don't always, you know, it's not always going the way that I want. Well, the number one work is He's changing my life. He's changing my heart. And I want you to catch it like this. Look at these three pictures. This first picture, you know, you're talking about water. You, you want water? You go to the reservoir. There's an incredible amount of water in the reservoir. To, and it's going to get to your house eventually. 
But how does it get to your house? Like, you know there's enough water. You know you're never going to go thirsty because there's plenty of water in this country. Um, you can, you know, how's it get to the bottled water? How's it get to your house? You know we're not going to run out of water because we've got these reservoirs. It goes through pipes. We take the pipe. And they, this is one of the smaller pipes. I'm sure it goes through much larger pipes. So from the reservoir, it goes through pipes and gets down to smaller pipes all the way till it gets down to this gets right to there where, the, where there's a faucet at your house and you turn on the faucet and you drink the water. And the water's so wonderful. Man, doesn't that just make you happy right there? That reminds me of me. Except he got more hair. Listen, you come and you, on a hot day, you turn it on. And that's the process. It comes from the reservoir through the pipeline all the way to the faucet. And the water doesn't come on until you turn the faucet on. And I want to encourage you with prayer. Let's rewind here. Let's go back to the reservoir. The reservoir is God's omnipotence and His power, His might, His provision. That's God. He is big. You believe this. I believe this. It is there. He is there. And His power is there. And then the pipeline is faith. You believe it. You're starting to believe. Like this man, he says, Lord... Help my unbelief. You're starting to believe that. And the longer you walk with God, the more you do believe. But the faucet, go to the faucet. This is prayer. When we come in to prayer, we experience God and all of his goodness. We experience his greatness, his might and his power. And so I want to encourage you to go to prayer and turn the faucet on. I'm not saying turn the faucet on and receive whatever blessing you want. That's, that's not scriptural. I'm saying go to God and receive what he wants for you. Turn that on and you will understand his goodness. See, then you will experience his goodness. You see, if you walk out of here today and you know he's good and you don't talk to him all week, all you did was know a fact. When you come in and you pray, you're experiencing it even when things are bad all over the place, even when things aren't going the direction that you thought it should have went. I want to ask you a couple questions as we wrap up here today. Do you believe that God can do anything? I think most people say that. Most people say, yeah, he's big, he's mighty. Look what he did all over the Bible. He can do anything. So I want to ask you today, if, do you believe that? I think some are struggling with that, and I think some absolutely believe that. And if you do, I want to ask you this. Are you willing to leave the anything up to him? Are you willing to let that anything? God can do anything. So, you know, you're asking for this thing, but I'm going to leave that anything up to God. And if you're willing to do that, will you will, or would you be willing to stop worrying and start praying? Like, would you be willing to simply just start praying? And, and take all your cares. And he says, cast all your cares on him, for he cares for you. Would you be willing to surrender and let him do this in your life? And would you be willing to go to the faucet every day? Why is it so hard for us to do that? It's so hard. But it's so easy. Like the faucet's so simple. It's like me in our house. I don't drink near enough water. I go to everything else. Diet Pepsi, Diet Pepsi, Diet Pepsi. But you know what? The water, all I got to do is... You get a can of Pepsi, you got to go to the store. You got to drop it on the way out of the store. 
Then you've got to fight with your wife when you exploded it on the carpet. I mean, listen, that, this is hard. You go to the faucet, it's there. I want to take you to God. And the way you go there is through prayer. Open the faucet. Let God open the faucet. You meet with him. Meet with him daily. In the foyer today on the little round table as you leave, there is, uh, there's the, the September prayer journals. Uh, some of you were doing these. Some of you are still doing them. Some of us need to restart them. I want to encourage you. This is just some blank space for you to, to journal some time with God. But I'm talking more than just this. I'm talking about praying to him when you're in the middle of your work day. I'm talking about calling on God all day long and relying on him. Truly relying on him that he died for you. He rose again and he's got a plan. And no matter what, that whole big reservoir is yours. It's his omnipotence. And you have the pipeline and you have the faucet. And if you never open the faucet, you're never going to taste and see that he is good. Come and taste, see, and take refuge. Let's close in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed today, I want to invite you to Christ. That's what this is all about. It's, we've been going through and we're looking at Jesus. We're looking at the story of Jesus. We're seeing how that Jesus made a difference, and he did. He made a difference in the life of every one of those people that were with him. Each one of those disciples, they had to learn. And maybe you're learning lessons of failure today. Maybe you're going through the ups and downs of failure. God says, listen, I want you to turn to me. I don't want you to listen to the criticism. I want you to learn from anything you can. But turn your heart to me and grow with me. And come and let your faith be in my omnipotence. Let your faith be in my power. Turn open the faucet. Let God's goodness run in your life. Let God bless you, not, not in material things and all the things that you think you want. I'm talking about coming to His character and let Him bless you by the experience that you have daily. The Apostle Paul said to pray without ceasing. Father God, I pray you'll be with each one of us, Lord, as we seek to honor you and to know you more, Lord. Thank you for this tremendous privilege that we can go out, we can be used by you, we can work for you. But we have to work in dependence on you. And I pray you will be with each one of us, Lord, as we're dealing with failures, we're dealing with up and down. Lord, sometimes we feel like we've left you down. I'm sure the disciples felt that here. But we know that you're powerful and that you love us no matter what. And that you heal us and you put us back together and you still have a mission for each one of us. God, I pray you'll be with each one as we respond to your goodness today. In your name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with us, please, as we close with this song this morning?
mind awakes No words come to fill the space Cause words, they don't do your power much justice It's too great, too great to be bound by little letters we make up And it's funny that we sometimes think we understand the fullness of your glory By calling you this and that But the reality is that we can't fully comprehend how you can be all of who you are And think of us, you think of me 